Dali Marhaba, everyone. Welcome to the seventh episode of SESTA, an Island Talks podcast. This is Melton calling from an extremely sudden Famagusta following the wildfires in Mesinik. Our hearts are with those birds, snakes, insects, rabbits, geckos, trees, or any other living creature which lost its life in a terrible way because of relentless human action. It is time to take concrete steps to tackle climate change since extreme weather, including wildfires, will only be more and more frequent unless we do something about climate change intercommunally as a united federal Cyprus. Last week was internationally a dark period of history. As I'm sure you all know, Roe versus Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court in the USA. Following the decision of the Supreme Court, red states already started taking action to ban abortion, which is a fundamental right, and I cannot stress this enough. And on 25th of June, mass shootings targeting innocent people took place in Oslo. First shootings took place in Londonmar, which is a place for the LGBTQIA plus community. The shootings took place hours before the Oslo Pride. Despite the terrible happenings, June, the Pride Month, still gives us hope. The first intercommunal Pride took place on 18th of June and was attended by many people from all the communities in Cyprus. The seventh episode is a continuation of Sesta Pride special series. Today's program is meant to show solidarity with all those citizens who bravely stood against the wildfires in Messinic regardless of their ethnicity, the women fighting for their abortion rights in the USA, and the LGBTQIA plus community in Oslo, Cyprus, and all around the world. Against all the bigotry and hate, we will keep on celebrating Pride. And to celebrate Pride, today I'm hosting a radiant author, Alexis Hercules. Alexis Hercules holds MAs in periodical journalism and English literature and has worked as a writer and editor for various publications in London, covering literature, publishing, the drinks industry and law. While studying for his writing and literature BA in Liverpool, he helped to found a quarterly poetry and prose magazine to which he also contributed content. The magazine received Art Council funding, staged events and expanded online. Together with Alexis, we will be elaborating on his short story, Walk, which was published in March 2022 by Arts Against Extremism, a new literary journal dedicated to investigating, understanding and countering extremism. Walk is a sensual short story situated at the heart of nature and war in 1974 Cyprus. Throughout Walk, Alexis writes genuinely of love and friendship between Ozan, a Turkish-speaking Cypriot, and Theo, a Greek-speaking Cypriot. Dear Alexis, thank you very much for making time today. It is such a pleasure to host you at SESTA. Thank you very much for having me, Meltem. It's a pleasure to talk to you. With no further ado, I'd like to start asking my questions. Let's start with Theo. Theo is the protagonist of Walk. He is a complex character with arguably contradicting attributes. On the one hand, Theo is honest enough to leave Cyprus behind in order to live openly as a gay man. He left the island since he didn't want to pretend to be someone else. On the other hand, such a sincere character could never confess to his dad, even in his grave, that he was gay. Personally, I thought about my own contradictions when I was reading Theo, which actually brings me to my first question. What do the complexities and contradictions of Theo tell us about humanhood? Ah, well, great question. Thank you, Milton. Um, so yes, Theo, just a little bit of a backstory. This this story actually has a long genesis. I first wrote it maybe uh, a long time, I think 2009, 10, something like that. And originally it was just about Theo. 
his which in the name means uh, a gift of god gift divine gift um and it had more of a religious aspect um when he when he reaches the shack at the end there's a, there's a, an icon in there which was of the theotokos which is the mother of god and i was playing on that word theotheos theotokos and all of that stuff i'm not a <laughs> i'm not a believer myself but um it's the orthodox church here in cyprus is so its tentacles reach everywhere and grasp everything so it's something that needs to be can't be ignored or avoided and something i wanted to tackle so it was more about the loss of his mother and trying to find yourself uh and be without that sort of female influence in in a world of tough men you know where you 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 know you have to be tough you can't be sensitive uh crying is not allowed um <laughs> uh this kind of idea um and then what about if we had a friendship with somebody from the other side and then I I made it a, a, a more than a friendship because basically Ozan helped him become who he was because he didn't even know who he was at first. Uh the love for Ozan Ozan's Ozan's strength and who he was as a person it helped bring this person out because he'd he'd lost his mother at birth and he you know he his father and uncle that whilst not I don't really want to say they were harsh to him nothing like that but it it they're not exactly the type of people to put an arm around him and say hey everything's going to be okay um don't worry about it so that's sort of the the genesis of it um i had obviously the, the greek classics in mind the odyssey the iliad a little bit that's a little bit shorter than those <laughs> and um yeah and also it, it, it's a, of course it's it's a buildings roman uh, but obviously condensed into a short story form so you know you have the four parts of the the buildings roman loss uh journey a conflict personal growth and then maturity um so later on i decided to add the framing device as well of theo as an older man looking back and what this actually meant to him because originally I, i felt it was unsatisfactory at the end and i i wanted it to be i wanted to show about becoming human um as you said like what what it means to be human so we have two births basically the actual birth when he came into the world it was imagined because of course he couldn't remember which killed his mother and then the one where you have to find yourself you know something you struggle towards something you strive for suffer for but ultimately one hopes you'll come out as a more complete content person on the other side through that suffering and through that difficulty i find uh, the the idea of two births in the um short story really interesting and actually my second question is related to that because At the beginning I stated that Walk was set in 1974 Cyprus but the story sections which follow each other are sometimes a chronological in the same way the place where the narrative is set sometimes shifts without the reader expecting such a shift hence there are sudden shifts between the contemporary life of Theo which is set outside of Cyprus and you named this as his let's say self-realization if i understood you correctly and then yeah. um there was the shift to his life in 1974 cyprus and this is mainly where the story actually passes so these shifts come together at the conclusion in a logical way i personally really loved reading this because i think that your style is innovative 
since we are used to such shifts in novels than actually short stories. We don't, we didn't think that short stories had the space to accommodate that. Um, and my question is like, what was your main motivation for trying out such an innovative style when writing your short story? Ah, thank you. Um, you, you are right. It's, it's not the easiest to get it into a short story. Um, as I said, it, it was originally much longer, much more unwieldy. Um, and then when I revisited it with this short story collection in mind, I thought, how can we, how can we get this more interesting? And then I think even at first I just had the relationship with Ozan and, and then I was, I was still wasn't happy with it. And, um, because it just kind of ended and I was like, no, I, I wanted you as a reader to understand what this actually meant to this boy. And that's why I talk about, you know, he says like, are you sure you don't want me to call him Theo? Not I, I, and it's, you know, the, the, the personal pronoun is like, no, I, 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 it's not I, Theo almost, he almost left that boy behind during the story, but you wouldn't have known that without the reflection looking back of the, of the older, uh, of the older man. And I also thought that was interesting in that, uh, you know, we can call it a framing device, um, obviously, which has a, a, a long, a long, long history in literature. Um, Having mentioned from the Odyssey, Liliad, and that kind of thing, Canterbury Tales, uh, a thousand one nights, Sherhazad. Yeah. So it has a, a long, a long history. And I just, just want something I wanted to toy with. I, I'm a big fan of, I don't want to say difficult structures, but at least pushing the boundaries of structures, pushing boundaries of what the short story can do. Um, I know there's like flash fiction and stuff like that is really popular at the moment. Um, and shorter stuff. And I, I really quite like that. So what I was trying to do is just, just break up this story and just give you a number of different perspectives. Not always easy in a short story, as you said, but I'm glad you think it came off at least. Oh, absolutely. And as a reader, I love, uh, having my boundaries pushed. So, uh, obviously <laughs> literature is. Um, we are reading to be stimulated. So um, I think your story was, in that sense, a great success. Um, Thank you. Well, Alexis, I would like to talk about the idea of 1974 a bit, because um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when I was reading a story, I remembered something again from my own life. I used to have a teacher who holds a doctorate in Spanish and Latin American literature. We were talking one day and he told me how much Spanish authors were obsessed with the civil war in Spain and that it was time to move on and embrace new topics and themes, let alone genres. And um, arguably, um, we are also reaching that point in Cyprus as 1974 is constantly a present and a recurring theme in Cypriot popular culture and imaginations. This does not mean that 1974 should not be given a space in contemporary Cypriot literature, and it goes without saying that we as Cypriots, including myself, enjoy reading the 1974 theme since it invokes identity. Um, as an author who wrote about the theme, how do you explain the artistic fascination behind 1974? Ah, yes. No, you're completely right. And it's not something I intended to do almost. Um, and the novel I am writing at the moment, which is why I've returned to Cyprus, um, can be regarded as something of a cousin to this, uh, 
this short story. But the but the, the novel I'm writing is is not set in 1974 at all. The protagonist was not born there, and he has no connection to it. And it's actually more focused on Cyprus modern day because I think there's some crazy interesting stuff going on with Cyprus at the moment in terms of development, in terms of outside influence, in terms of outside investment, in terms of um, slightly nefarious dodgy characters and nebulous <laughs> networks of uh, funding and um, you purchase a passport for uh, no problem, no questions asked and all that stuff. So um, that's that's not the focus of my novel, but that's the backdrop. Um, with this one, though, I just feel it's worth mentioning. So I uh, grew up in Cyprus and I, I was born in England. I, I, I came to Cyprus when I was 14. I finished my schooling here. And then I went back to England to go to university where I studied writing and literature, as you mentioned at the beginning, and, and started a magazine with poetry with some friends. Um, so no, not hardly any of my stuff actually concerned Cyprus when I was younger. Uh, just as I got older, I wrote a few poems and stuff like that. The nature was always very big for me, and that's why nature is such a big character. Uh, yes, I can say it's a, she's a character in this, in this story. Um, but it was more... The reason I, I did the, the the gay love as well as 1974 is there's a couple of personal reasons and also just some just some things I feel very strongly about. So when I went to school over here, um, I remember distinctly, you know, it wasn't the best in terms of tolerance, and I, we had a, a teacher. I'm not going to say which school, but he was giving out T-shirts to the students that said I, I almost don't want to say this but I, i'm just saying it to show how ridiculous it was and just how wait what did you just say the t-shirts were like um the only good turk is a dead turk and i was like wow and i will say though that there were a few of us at the time thankfully who were you can't do that you know so but that was a teacher and on the other hand we've had you know, also, this was late 90s, by the way. So just to put you in the picture there, um, and I, I'm sure you know now it's Pride Month over here. I'm great. It's great to see all this stuff happening because homosexuality was actually illegal uh, in Cyprus until 1998. Um, and only civil unions, I think, have only come in now since 2015. Uh, the equalized age of consent was 2002, um, but that was under pressure from the EU. So the reason I covered 1974 there was... Um, Basically, like I was very concerned with outside forces, you know, exerting undue influence on the personal, telling you who you are allowed to love and who you must hate. Um, no child is born with hate or intolerance. Um, it's taught or forced upon them. Um, and I just really felt the idea of being forced to kill someone you absolutely didn't want to due to outside pressures and worse than to make that even worse, someone you once loved. This was a very powerful idea and that's something I could you know, with two men who were barely still boys, you know, when he imagines being 17 late and he actually kills us. And um, they're, they're, they're always just boys who are sent into these things, you know, so many young lives wasted for nothing for outside influence and, you know, extremist views on both sides. Um, so, and then the idea of the war still going on in his mind when he's 17 and he accidentally kills Ozan and just wants the house to collapse on them together and just keep them together forever. Um, obviously that didn't happen explicitly that the war is still going on, but <laughs> whether what followed can be called any kind of peace is highly debatable to say the least. Um, you know, and it is, it's a great point there about the Spanish civil war. You know, I don't think we need to talk about it all the time, but there is something very, 
intriguing about the, the dividing line. I, I, you know, they've just opened up the Russia for the first time. There's videos of people visiting on YouTube now and stuff like that, which is interesting. Um, and I just felt that, um, because of what happened to me, I, I'm always very, I've, um, this is from my personal view, I'm always very wary of, of nationalism, um, particularly what you might call overt nationalism. Because for me, it, it rarely leads to something good, except in examples of like, you know, breaking away from an oppressive ruler, um, an occupying force. So let's say the former Soviet states, uh, Estonia, the Baltic states there, what's happening with Ukraine, of course, right now. Um, and, you know, nationalism and all this just, always seems to me just to teach people to hate other people that they've never met based on arbitrary lines on a map or flags or religion, which are all man-made things. And that's why I made Mother Nature such an important part because Mother Nature just continues. She doesn't care about these things and will continue regardless despite our best efforts to destroy her. There's um, a lot of love and sensuality in, the, in your short story, against all the odds of nationalism. I find this also really interesting. Um, so the romantic love which Theo feels for Ozan is expressed subtly through small gestures. The most sensual scene in the story is, of course, when they bath together nakedly in the river. Um, you write this scene as follows. From a steep bank, terrified at the prospect of obvious arousal, Theo watched Ozan enter and break the opaque water, the dark olive skin on his back bum and legs taut over alluring muscles that his own body had not yet begun to grow. Reflected rivers and Ozan's flow through his pupils and into him. Now following their bath, Ozan and Theo lay side by side and a gentle touch takes place, which is why I really, really love the sensuality in this short story, by the way, but I continue because <laughs> you, you write that scene as follows. Um, he stared at Ozan's outstretched index finger and then touched it with his. A snake little water caught the setting sun's light as it slithered down from one boy to the other. Depicting sensual scenes is not at all an easy task, particularly when it comes to the LGBTQIA plus genre. There are arguments that sometimes the representation of same-sex love in literature is merely a heterosexual fantasy. I know, for instance, that uh, Murakami is constantly criticized with this argument. Um, which LGBTQIA plus authors do you turn to for inspiration and why? Um, well, I've, I've read a few in my time. Um, obviously, classics like Oscar Wilde. I remember reading something which is... Uh, which was a, a mad one. Uh, it, I wouldn't exactly recommend it as sensual, but it's, it was an interesting, uh, I think it was called Confessions of a Mask, who's a Japanese author by Yuki Omishima, but he went a bit crazy. Um, but that was just from a completely, a completely different perspective. Um, I can't, I can't know. I can't think if there was anyone, you know, film has also played a, a big influence on me. I, I can't think if there was anyone who directly influenced what I wanted to say here because I didn't want to make it. I, I, I'm glad you said the word sensual um, because I didn't want to make it sexual at all. I mean, for one thing, Ozan has no idea and uh, he's, he's, well, he's not uh, gay or anything. He, he's just friends. And so, Theo has to wrestle with that. He doesn't want to spoil his friendship with this boy. Um, 
Um, and that's actually, you know, personal experiences. I, I've known people who've told me stories about such things um, and, you know, later confessed and had to, to, you know, to confess later on that, you know, what their feelings actually were. But you see, at the point in this story as well, he has only just really figured it out himself. Um, so he's definitely not ready for anything like that. And uh, I think the implication in the story is that he wouldn't have been able to even act upon those feelings until later on in um later on in life um i didn't want to directly as you say um go for that kind of explicit i wanted it to be sensual i wanted it to be romantic i wanted it to be love i wanted to capture those first stirrings of something and my point was that the the gay aspect of it being another boy was irrelevant um almost in that it could have been a girl it doesn't matter for me the feeling should be the same and should be regarded the same um and it shouldn't be about like oh this is specifically what gay love is like and this is obviously it's more difficult and obviously set in 1974 even more difficult again um it's something that I felt very strongly for a long time. And that's, you know, as I mentioned, those people earlier that I had disagreements with in school, it, this is something of a response to them. Just basically your hate and intolerance will not win. Love will win ultimately. Um, and it doesn't matter who you love. You know, there's so much awfulness in the world, as you elucidated at the beginning there with everything that's going on that, um, why would you possibly deny anybody loving another human, as I wrote in the piece, um, based on nonsense? Sorry, I couldn't pick of specific authors. I bet you as soon as we finish this, I'm going to remember about three books I've read that I should have mentioned, but I'm drawing a bit of a blank. I'm going to blame the heat and the, uh, the cicadas or the zizeros. um i was just actually googling um lgbtqi um a plus genre a couple of days ago and i came across this book uh vagina monologues it is i don't think Uh, it's a sensual book i'm planning to read it so just for our readers if they would like to read it or if anyone has read it they can share what they thought with us um well I'm really enjoying our conversation, Alexis, but unfortunately I have to ask you my final question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you recently returned to Cyprus from London, like you have said, and now live in a tiny village in the mountains where you are completing your debut novel, Pateras. You talked about this novel as well. Now, what does Pateras entail and when shall we expect to read it? Ah, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so very basically, uh, I think we're, it's, it's about male female relationships. That's why I've called it Pateras. Um, I'm playing on the, the etymological roots word of, you know, patriarchy. So Pateras, father, patriarchy. Um, I just feel we're at a time of reckoning, uh, in the way that men and, and interact with women. Um, we need to call this out when this, this macho culture nonsense needs to stop, you know, the, the locker room stuff, the U the U S term, or in England, we call it banter. 
So it just, it's about cycles of violence, um, passing down these cycles of violence to people. Um, and if we don't do anything, they'll just carry on and we need to break them. So it's about domestic violence, um, about how women are treated, how men regard women, what, what men do to women. Um, you know, to grow and to move away, we need to do, we need to do better. Um, and it's about revenge. And if you continue and if you do, go through with your revenge plan are you not just as bad are you not just perpetuating the cycle of violence um so i have a little um a pitch short pitch is uh, daniel's mother was murdered in a tiny cypriot village when he was 13 he has always believed it was his father who was abusive towards her but another man zeno was convicted instead 21 years later, Daniel returns to Cyprus and the village for the first time to reunite with Xenia, his childhood love, who is now a criminal lawyer, and to visit Zeno, Xenia's brother, in the secure hospital he has been confined to since. Daniel resolves to track down his father, with whom he has had no contact for years, to see justice done for Zeno, for Xenia, for his mother, and to appease his own guilt for not being there that morning to protect her. Meanwhile, Xenia is getting closer to the truth of who the real murderer was and answers a request to visit Daniel's best friend Vincent in London, who has received a package from Daniel that contains a manuscript. They need to contact Daniel before it is too late, but they do not know where he is or whether he has done anything drastic, and this manuscript is their only clue as to his whereabouts, thoughts, and plans." And in terms of it being a cousin, as I said, there's there's similar elements with a framing device and stuff like that. his best friend in the story, Vincent, is gay, but I only mention that because we're talking about Pride Month, and it, it's not, again, it's just a fact. It, I, I don't want it to be a big thing, like, oh, this character is gay. It's not important. The only reason it's mentioned is actually because how they become friends is that um, Daniel comforts Vincent after Vincent has come out at school. They're school friends. He comes out, and he gets beaten up in the changing room, you know, standard uh, bullying kind of thing that you might unfortunately still experience. And so it shows the character's high hope. It shows the character there's empathy and compassion and uh you know it was something about him and his worldview and protecting and and wanting to help people as he feels he didn't help his mother or protect her as he should have done so yeah and in terms of when we can expect it i have uh autumn early autumn i i hope i have a lot of the material it's going quite well so i'm hoping to get it done by autumn early autumn oh i'm looking forward to reading it and i'm sure it will um It will make us feel a lot of empathy and compassion, and I'm pretty sure it will help us in our self-realization journeys, exactly like Walk. Um, Dear Alexis, thank you very much, Evgaristo Parapoli, for making time today. Um, I absolutely enjoyed talking with you and learning from you. Dear listeners, thank you for tuning in. Please feel free to like, comment, or share this seventh episode of Sester Pride Special and Island Talks, and follow us on social media. Stay healthy, stay with peace, stay tuned. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.